Today we welcome Bob Gallagher, president of Sun Design, an architectural design build firm with not one, but two offices in Northern Virginia, celebrating their 30th anniversary. Bob is going to share best practices in developing a leadership team and the impact that these components will have on your company's growth. 60% of the time, it works every time. What are you people? On dope? Victoria Downing, President of Remodelers Advantage, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Yeah, you are. So today, I'm really excited about talking to our next guest, which is Bob Gallagher. Bob's been instrumental in building and improving Sun Design's operational procedures in all departments. Plus, he's been very involved in the industry through his involvement in NARI, and he's received four President's Awards and two Image Awards from NARI National, as well as the Hall of Fame Award from the local NARI Metro DC chapter. Bob and his partner, Craig Durasco, are members of the Mentor Three Roundtable Group, where they work with other large volume successful firms from around the country. So, Bob, welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, sure. Man, I, I appreciate <laughs> you taking the time to be with us and you know, sharing a little bit of your experiences with us. No problem at all. So I know that one of the things that you folks have done is to really build a strong leadership team and th that helps drive the direction of the company. So Bob, let's start with a high level question. What's the difference between a leader and a manager? So there's some uh, pretty basic definitions, I think, of a leader and a manager. And I think if you're talking about a leader, uh, that really is about improvements, improvements in your business. Uh, if you're talking about a manager, that's the maintenance of your business. Uh, there's more, I think, uh, you know, a leader is not necessarily about position, right? It's, uh, it's really a great leader, I think, is whoever is showing those highly virtuous behaviors and leadership qualities. Like? Well, you know, I believe that some of the most important virtues that, or behaviors that a leader could possess is humility, and, um, you know, just understanding that it's not about you, it's about others, and being magnanimous. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is this noble idea or this cool thing to move us forward and being able to come up with those ideas, knowing it's not about you personally, but it's about the team or it's about the client or it's about um, some bigger idea than yourself. Okay. So you and Craig, when, when did you start Sun Design? Well, 30 years ago, you started Sun Design, right? Yeah, yeah. It uh, was actually even a little bit before that when we were in high school and oh, wow. uh, doing some really interesting things where my own kids are that age now. And I think, who would have ever given us money? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, there was something in you they saw. So, Bob, you mentioned virtuous behaviors. What are some of those behaviors that leaders should embody? It's a great question. Um, I think, you know, there are some base behaviors that leaders should have. Um, but the ones that really pop through in my mind are two, and it's to be humble, you know, so it's not about you and what you need specifically, but it's about other people, uh, to be magnanimous. And what I mean by that is more than being industrious. It's about the noble idea. It's about, you know, the, the cool thing that could happen next, you know, and it's about really pushing things forward and growing and an expanding heart. Mm -hmm. 
And um, when you're humble, you know, you can really make those expanding heart ideas about other people and about your clients and Hmm. about your team and about your trades and not just about yourself, right? Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, you guys have been in business a long time. What was it? What happened or how did the idea of building a leadership team come about? Yeah, I mean, it started with uh, some years ago that we, we realized it would be beneficial to us to have a board of advisors. And we started that board of advisors uh, as an internal group of people that were opinion leaders and, and managers and whatnot. And that allowed us to start to understand ourselves, even what leadership was all about. Um, that probably was 15, 20 years ago. Okay. And from there, we um, developed into you know the core leadership team, the people who are the head of the differing departments in our organization. And um, that group meets very regularly. And our board of advisors, which we still have, which is a wire group of influencers, they meet on a quarterly basis. So what's the goal of your leadership team? So I think the goal of our leadership team is to do a couple of things. Um, as leaders, like I said, we are trying to focus on improvement, uh, meaning that uh, in contrast, a manager might be focusing on the maintenance of our management systems, our strategies, and, and so on. And the, the leadership team is focused on um, systemizing and standardizing and scripting all the different positions and all of the different work areas within our organization. Um, And then to continue to improve that over time and make sure that we're being the best organization that we can possibly be over time. So have you seen things within the company change since you put the leadership team into place? Yeah, we, of course, you know, uh, it's interesting. And I'm going to digress a little bit and use a Franklin Covey quote, actually, where they talk about, you know, the seven or the the geese going 75 percent further together as opposed to by themselves. You know, it's the same Mm -hmm. kind of idea when people start communicating, when there's trust in in the organization and people can ask the the hard question and whatnot. I mean, the reality of it is, is, you know, in the end, we start moving together much more efficiently than we would have otherwise. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happened in our organization. It's a constant effort. It's a constant push. You can never let off that throttle. You always have to be making sure that the communication that you're having with your team is always open. And you, you have to remind people all the time that we, we are adults here and we have to trust each other. We also have to behave in ways that promote trust and promote uh, a comfortable organization so that you know people over the long term can point things out and we can self-correct over time. So so you said that, okay, one of the reasons you wanted the leadership team is to get different ideas and to get different inputs. And a second one is to get more people pulling with you to pull the company forward. But that it's, it's difficult. What, why is it difficult? And, and what are some of the other things, what are the other, some of the other impacts that a leadership team has on the company? You know, to put together this team, right? I mean, this group and to get the impact that you're talking about. The first thing I think you need to do is start with yourself and um, an organization and a team of people like the leadership group are not going to have the kind of communication with each other that they need to have unless you're modeling that type of behavior. Mm -hmm. And I bring that up because 
one of the most effective impacts you can have on your on your leadership team, and then and then thereby the, the leadership team infecting the whole organization, is you yourself um, allowing yourself to become vulnerable in front of that team, mm-hmm. which is definitely not the easiest thing to do. But if you allow people to understand who you are emotionally, you know, intellectually, where you are from a spiritual perspective, even and you know, what's your vision, what's your objectives, what you need from them and what you don't need from them. You know, you need to tell people about the what's in the why and where you want to go. And I think what ends up happening is people start to go, wow, this is authentic and it's real. There's no hidden agenda there or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is communication starts to improve. And maybe the next step is to ask the or ask the group to start being willing to put themselves out to be vulnerable and communicate the stuff that's in the way, you know. And sometimes it's you know this department versus that department, or sometimes it's personalities getting in the way of each other, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You give room, you know, initially and ongoingly to have those kinds of conversations to make sure that you're getting the things that are in the way of you acting as a team and impacting. The organization around you positively, even your 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 team and your clients and just everyone, uh, you really need to take the time and make sure that people have the opportunity to communicate. I would even say that the team needs to be trained on how they communicate, not just with each other, but also with everyone around them. They have an impact, whether you give them a little help on that or not. So you might as well get some training on approach, um, best ways to build team or, or relationships and improve the, the whole point, I guess, is really to improve the trust and, and, it, and to upregulate, you know, and sometimes it's helpful in this area, probably even to get some outside help because we can't be good at everything. Well, so what might people do to train their staff to be better communicators? What are some of the things you can, that you have recommended in the past? Well, so an example of something that we've done I thought was pretty effective was you know, helping the team understand, and including myself, you know, I mean, the sad truth of the matter is, is I'm, I'm a really good, sarcastic, funny guy. And the reality of it is, is that doesn't build good team, you know. So you, you want to make sure that you're training everyone and, and getting, you know, and in our case, we got some outside help with this, uh, to use approaches that, um, you know, can expand the relationship, can improve the approach so that people can actually humanly hear you, you know, and aren't put off by your energy or the things that you're saying, or even if you're coming off negative and you didn't even intend to. So, you know, I might say something like, hey, let's, you know, discover what you want to do here as opposed to what the heck are you doing here? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So it's just a different kind of approach, but it's important. And the reality of it is, is, a lot of people just don't think about that. They are who they are, and sometimes they wear that as a badge, good or bad. So, Bob, at first I was a little concerned because you said that to be a good leader, you need to be humble and magnanimous. And, and I thought, okay, well, I'm never going to be a good leader. But then you said that, <laughs> that you're also sarcastic and funny, so now I'm back in the game. <laughs> so thank you for reassuring me that I can still pull this off. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that said, what size should a company get to? I mean, obviously you're a one-man show you don't need to worry about being a good leader. At what point do you think this is something you need to start thinking about? Um, I would just 
turn that around a little bit and say the very time you should start thinking about it is when you're a one-man show. Um, Great. Reason being is, uh, you know, as you start figuring your organization out and what different positions are going to do and how they're going to do it and what's going to be said and, for you know, when they're communicating with other people, um, once you figured that out, you got to start bringing people on to start taking some of those positions so you can improve and grow as an organization, right? So it's not too far off that you're going to have to start interrelating with people in that environment. And, um, you know, I think working on yourself, you know, whether it be specifically about leadership or um, in other areas, I think it is the call of life mm-hmm. in any case. Mm-hmm. So start there. Great. So when you were building and developing, choosing people to be on your leadership team, how did you choose those people? Because I'm assuming that just because someone is a department leader doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be good in that team environment. Is that true? This is true. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, I mean, the truth of the matter is over our history, we have improved probably on figuring out who should be a part of our team. Um, I mean, obviously the first piece is do they fit your culture? Are they going to, you know, meet with the kinds of people that are, already on that team and how they interrelate, how they, how we all interrelate with each other. Um, you know, sort of a side thing to know maybe is that it's undesigned. If you have a hard time with silly string in your hair, this isn't the place for you. <laughs> good, you know? that's, good. that's a good thing to say in an interview, isn't it? <laughs> so the reality is, is that, I mean, you got to fit and, um, you know, 30 years ago, what was fun to us probably isn't, you know, the same thing today, but you know, we, we do have a culture that has, fun as a big part of it. And that really just means that we want to make sure that it's, um, you know, we don't take ourselves too serious and, you know, we work hard, but we want to make sure that we got the balance in there and, and that we have a good time and, and, and so on. Right. Mm -hmm. So have you ever had to deselect someone from the leadership team? And if so, how did that go? Um, sure. We've had to do that. Um, and, and I would say, in general, badly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being vulnerable there, Bob. <laughs> so what, may- I, you know, I don't know. I feel like, like most things, the reality of it is that, that you know, in hindsight, you probably could have done something better than you right. did. Yep. But, you know, the reality of it is, uh, you know, it, things change in people's lives. Um, they're not who, you know, you thought they were, uh, you know, hiring is, human practice, even with mm-hmm. good tools and yep. um, you make judgments about things and, you know, it, it does after 30 years start to feel like you're wrong a lot. So, and then removing someone from that leadership team is hard. And anytime that somebody new comes in or somebody goes away, you really are in a place where you have to do some rebuilding and some, some maintenance to that team. So the team feel, can, can feel full and complete and energized and, mm-hmm. and operating in a way that is magnanimous. So as a member of that leadership team, if, if, if you choose someone, I'm assuming that there's responsibilities that go with that. There's work that goes with that. There's workload increases that may go with that. What do you expect sure. of the people that you invite to be on this team? So, I mean, to kind of divide that up a little bit, I, I think there is a role as a leader. And in most cases, there's a role as a manager. And the role as a a leader, you know, involves assisting and coming up with our, you know, the review of our shared vision as an organization. You know, we're 
always looking and trying to look at our positions and the responsibilities and accountabilities that those various positions on our org chart have. And, and then, you know, hey, that, that org chart in the future about, you know, that particular place where we're growing to, you know, we want to make sure we understand those positions, responsibilities, and accountabilities. And our leaders should be the ones working on that. They d- divide out those positions and those roles, and they have to live it, and they have to document it, and they have to script it. And, um, and we, that's how we move towards uh, achieving our vision. Uh, there's probably a smaller common denominator of an organization that's, you know, we get to that level of profitability. And, you know, if you can renew and, and recreate that smaller profitable company, if you will, that that almost like it's a franchise, you know, that you can reproduce mm-hmm. over time, that's a real scalable way to grow. And that would be part of the leader's position to implement that and grow that. A manager's responsibility is to hold the team who's implementing those strategies and those systems accountable and making sure that people are actually living those systems the way that they were intended. And also, often, you know, managers need to understand that their role as a manager isn't necessarily to alter those systems or alter those management strategies. They need to merely make sure that people are fulfilling them. And as a leader, we might look at taking them out over time and becoming more competitive as a company. So, Bob, have you ever had a situation where um, you've got someone that's just an an all-star? You really want this person to be that leader, be on the leadership team and and lead, lead others. But they're just, you know, leaders aren't born, they're made. And so they may be a good manager, but they're not quite there yet. What have you done to, to help get that person where they need to be? It's a great, great question. And yes, leaders are made. And, and I, we have had that situation. And, you know, you, you work with those people and you try your best to figure out what, where are they specifically in need of development and what, what type of thing do they need to grow on in order to become effective as a leader, and you know, sometimes that can be pretty either hard to define or hard to implement. But the reality of it is, is it's you know, different other leaders in the organization have to do some training and mentoring, um, and where you don't have expertise internally in order to make that happen, you try to bring in some outside mentors or outside trainers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we try to do. That's how we go about it. Have you, in your experience, seen common weaknesses in that type of individual? Like, what are some of the common places where people have to improve? Do you see any trends? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward, actually. I think when people are coming from pretty straight-up technical kind of role, and then they get into management and figure that out, and then you ask them to jump up into this other role, which has you know heavies on leadership, and, you know, often... It is interesting, but I would say in common, most people at that point in that transition point in their life, they're pushing to take the next steps in their life, but they really don't even necessarily know what the difference is between a manager and a leader. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, often you're starting at that point, it, you know, they might have some innate virtues or behaviors about themselves that kind of lend themselves towards being a leader. And, and, and often you wouldn't even get them into that position if you didn't recognize something in them mm-hmm. um, that would lend themselves to be a, a better leader than maybe somebody else at that point. Uh, but, you know, the, the common trend, I think it is, starts with 
<laughs> let's get clear on what a manager is. Let's get clear on what a leader is mm-hmm. and what your role is as a manager and as the leader in the organization and what part you're going to play. That's awesome. Thanks, mm-hmm. Bob. So yeah. I got one more thing. Um, this is critical. It's it's the time of the okay. show. You know what time it is? <laughs> yeah. 60 seconds. Yeah. Okay. Light- yeah I was you holding could. my breath. Lightning round. <laughs> And now, here's a Remodeler's Advantage Lightning Round. It's a trap! Alright, here we go. Okay. 60 seconds on the clock. What's your favorite business book and why? I'm going to say the truth of the matter is that I have a lot of favorite business books, but if I were going to narrow it down in particular for this discussion, I would have to say Virtuous Leadership by uh, Alexander Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he actually spoke at the summit one time. He for did, a, at your recommendation. And, yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> Went really well, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yes. He uh, talks a lot about uh, the behaviors of a leader. Uh, if you weren't president of Sun Design, what do you think you'd be doing? A farmer. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what are you not... <laughs> Man, that caught me off guard. <laughs> what are you not very good at? I don't know. I try to stay away from those things so much so that I'm not sure what they are offhand. I don't mean not to be humble, but I guess what am I not good at? Answering quickly. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Your room? Cut that one out. (laughs) Your room, your desk, or your car, which do you clean first? My desk. Who do you like better, Tom or Jerry? Ooh, Jerry. Only two radio stations are getting reception. Do you choose reggae or jazz? Reggae. Name a use for a bowling ball other than bowling. <laughs> bowling for pumpkins? <laughs> okay. I did that one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good job. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Bob. This has been awesome. Now, before we leave, I want you to share with our listeners your five words of wisdom. Small hinges move big doors. That's very good. Very good. I love it. Yep. Perfect. Thank you very much for that. That's very cool. Thank Thank you again for spending the time with us. This has been awesome. Getting me all revved up to start to focus in on honing some of those leadership skills. Thanks, Bob. As you mentioned. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, that was really awesome. I love talking about leadership, and it's it's such an elusive thing. Well, I love talking to Bob. Yeah. Yeah. He's about any topic. Yeah. He's pretty interesting. Very introspective. You know? Ooh, fancy word. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so um, he doesn't know anything he's not good at, so that's I know. Just a good yeah, thing. Where'd he's, the humbleness the go there? Humbleness, yeah. right? You <laughs> have to be humble. <laughs> so he, you, he avoids the things he doesn't do well. I and like that. I know that. he's been listening to the show because he said he's been listening, and we asked the same first four questions every time. I know. So it's not like he was surprised when I asked him. All right. So he had a chance to think about it. He literally is not good at anything. He's literally not good at any. He's literally not not, not good. good. <laughs> not not good. Right. He's literally not not good, good. Yes. at anything. Right. Well, that was a uh, another fantabulous episode. I yes, think. Yes, it was. And to be able to hear it from a guy who has built a company like Sun Design, and has so many years of experience in in creating this awesome company. Yeah. Well, it's good to know that someone um, that successful can be sarcastic and funny. (laughs) And humble. And humble. Yes. There's hope for me yet. Yes, there is, for sure. (laughs) So thanks for being here, everybody. I'm Victoria Downing. And I'm Mark Harari. We'll see you next week. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted. 
The Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.